0: Welcome to Repros Fight Back, a podcast on all things repro. I'm your host, Jenny Wetter, and each episode, I will be taking you to the front lines of the escalating fight over our sexual and reproductive health and rights at home and abroad. Each episode, I will be speaking with leaders who are fighting to protect our reproductive health and rights to ensure that no one's reproductive health depends on where they live. It's time for Repros to Fight Back. Welcome to Repros Fight Back. Today we're going to tackle another listener request, which is always fun. Um, And this one actually came together perfectly because I had just read an amazing article covering it. Um, So today we're going to talk about self-managed medication abortion. I'm super excited to have Megan Donovan with the Guttmacher Institute and the author of the article I just read here with me today to talk about this important topic. Hi, Megan. Thank you
1: for being here. Hi, thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited. So why are we talking about self-managed abortion? Any conversation about abortion and reproductive health, freedom, or autonomy should include discussion of all of the available uh, options um, for how a person can access abortion. And that includes self-managed care. You know, self-managed abortion is not new, but there's a lot of fear and misunderstanding out there, um, really stemming from an earlier era in which the options were generally sought in secret and often unsafe, especially now as we contemplate a changing Supreme Court uh, and the unfortunate reality that we may see abortion rights seriously undermined uh, in the coming years. People are understandably eager to talk about and picture what that might look like. Um, But they sometimes fall back on ideas and images that do stem from that earlier era and really haunt Mm -hmm. our understanding of what it might look like. And so they fall back on concepts like the coat hanger or the back alley abortion. But the world around us is changing. People access healthcare in all kinds of new ways. Um, You know, they use technology and their phones and consult doctors and order birth control uh, from apps on their phones. And so as we continue to update our notion about what healthcare is and how people access reproductive healthcare, including abortion in the 21st century, I think it's really exciting and even comforting to know that that how we access abortion has come a long way since Roe v. Wade was decided in 1973.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. Like, I think often if you hear about um, not having abortion in the clinics, you really just do hear, you see the ubiquitous coat hanger everywhere, um, and that's kind of the end of the conversation. There isn't kind of the fuller, like, what would it look like?
1: Safe and legal abortion in the United States is really associated in our minds with a sort of medicalized setting and clinic-based or provider-based care. Uh, That's what people think of and where, you know, many people feel comfortable. And so uh, challenging that or, or talking about abortion not in that setting can be uncomfortable for people. Um, What is self-managed abortion? Yeah, so there are a variety of ways in which people, you know, may seek to self-manage their uh, own abortion. Medication abortion, in particular, uh, holds great promise for the future of uh, abortion care in the U.S., and, and that's what I'd, you know, really like to focus on today. That's what the article was about, as you mentioned at the beginning of this conversation just to, you know, make sure that, you know, listeners are, are with us as we think about what this looks like. Medication abortion was first approved uh, in the U.S. In t- by the FDA in 2000, and uh, you know consists of two medications: mifepristone followed by misoprostol. And so, when you know we're talking about self-managing a medication abortion. We're talking about the process of administering that medication and completing an abortion without the direct supervision of a provider. It's important, though, to um, understand that we're really thinking about this as a model in which people should always have access to complete and accurate information uh, in order to you know, self-manage their abortion safely and effectively, and should also always have access to a provider should they, you know, want or need one at any stage of the process.
0: You know, there are a number of barriers to making that a reality in the U.S., and that's definitely something your article addresses. So there's kind of, I think you broke it into two types of barriers. So maybe let's focus on the first one, um, which um, is accessing medication abortion in the U.S. in general.
1: That's right. I think that that is a helpful way of thinking about this. There are kind of a number of barriers to realizing a kind of fully um, supported self-managed model of care. And you can start by thinking about some of the primary barriers to medication abortion generally. So um, one of the biggest barriers that inhibits access currently to medication abortion are the REMS. Now, that is a very uh, wonky acronym that stands for Risk Evaluation and Mitigation Strategy. The REMS uh, are a set of restrictions imposed by the FDA on mifepristone, the first drug I mentioned that's part of the true drug uh, protocol. REMS are a sort of a tool that the FDA has uh, available to it that are really supposed to be used for drugs with high-risk profiles to ensure that the um, benefits of using that drug outweigh the risks to the consumer. But given its uh, extensive safety profile, mifepristone and and medication abortion don't belong um, alongside drugs typically subject to REMS. So we have what are really a set of ideological um, restrictions stemming from Uh, anti-abortion sentiment that limit the distribution of mifepristone. And what that really means at the end of the day for someone seeking medication abortion is uh, that they can only access it by finding a uh, registered provider in um, a few specific settings, such as an abortion clinic or medical office or hospital. They cannot access the medication um, through pharm- pharmacies, for example, like you can with you know most prescription drugs, so someone needs to find a provider who is able both to prescribe the medication to them but then actually also has it stocked and ready to be given over um, on site to the person. It is completely different to sort of your typical Um, experience where you might get a prescription from a provider and then be able to access the medication you need uh, at a retail pharmacy or these days, you know, online um, through any type, any number of online pharmacies or options. And so getting rid of the REMS to begin with could really expand access to medication abortion in general in the U.S. by uh, opening up and expanding the pool of providers that are willing and able to offer medication abortion and making the um, options that people have for how and when they, you know, purchase and access the medication uh, a lot more convenient.
0: Um, So beyond the REMS, there's also other state restrictions that impact how people can access medication abortion.
1: Sure. And so um, just to make sure it's clear, the the REMS are a federal level set of restrictions imposed by the FDA. Um, And so, you know, that's at the federal, at the national level um, that we're dealing with them. And then when you get down to the state level, there are a number of other types of restrictions that states have imposed on uh, medication abortion over the years. Uh, Two- really primary ones are that 34 states uh, limit the provision of medication abortion to physicians, despite uh, recommendations from, you know, bodies such as the World Health Organization and the National Abortion Federation that, you know, a number of other clinicians, mid-level clinicians, advanced practice practitioners can, uh, you know, safely and effectively uh, administer medication abortion. And nineteen states require the clinician who is providing medication abortion to be physically present, which essentially bans um, telemedicine for medication abortion so these are a couple of the other types of restrictions um, that you know we can work to remove that would just start to open up the ways in which people are able to access medication abortion as one way of, you know, getting us closer to a world in which self-managed care is more fully accessible and supported.
0: Maybe I just want to touch a little bit on um, what we, because saying that um, physicians need to uh, be the ones to prescribe Medication abortion sounds, um, I think to a lot of people, sounds like common sense. So maybe you want to flush out a little bit But what, by what you mean by mid-level people can do it so that people are understanding what we're talking about.
1: So there are recommendations from bodies such as the World Health Organization and the National Abortion Federation that um, when it comes to prescribing the medication and uh, and explaining to people, um, providing the information people need to use medication abortion, that, you know, that can be done, you know, competently, safely, effectively by, um, you know, nurse midwives or, um, uh, you know, other classes of nurses, for example. These are clinicians who, you know, actually um, do do a lot of medical care that perhaps in a past era we associated primarily with physicians, but um, in this day and age are, you know, have sort of increased authority Mm -hmm. to, you know, do um, a lot of the clinical care. And it's been shown that um, they can facilitate and support someone through medication abortion, you know, as a physician might be able to. And so when we um, think about how states could uh, just at a basic level expand access to medication abortion, um, it is to. So when we talk about one of the ways that states can expand access to medication abortion, it's to, you know, make sure that all of the clinicians who are, you know, able to deliver this care have the authority to do so, and it's not being sort of unnecessarily or perhaps politically um, limited to physicians. Good, I
0: think that makes sense and makes it a little bit clearer for people, like who we're talking about when we talk about more people can provide than what is currently allowed. Um, so the next uh, type of barrier you, you identified are barriers to a fully self-managed model. Do you want to touch on what some of those are?
1: We were just talking a lot about the ways that we could increase access to, uh, to medication abortion as it's currently approved in the United States. Um, but or, or, or even further, I should say, in the absence of the uh, REMS restrictions that are you know, sort of unnecessarily um, limiting um, it at the moment. But as we look ahead and really think about um, a model of care in which self-managed abortion using medication is sort of fully supported and accessible and available to people, there are also a number of barriers to kind of achieving that environment where people can access the information they need um, and access the medication and have the support that they need or want at any stage. One of the biggest, I think, is this, we've already touched upon, and that's stigma and fear. And we've talked about it already, but it's worth, I think, mentioning again that... that, People need more information and they need to understand that, um, you know, medication abortion is very safe and effective and over 15 years of, you know, use in the United States has shown that to be the case and that the evidence really is there to um, suggest that uh, that people, you know, may be able to self-manage it without the direct uh, supervision of a provider. And so working to kind of educate people, help people become more familiar with medication abortion firstly, but then also get more comfortable with the concept of self-managed medication abortion and with the fact that we are we are talking about a model in which people have the information and the support they need to do this safely and effectively um, I think is really, really important. I
0: think that's important because I think part of it is also just kind of demystifying abortion. Because I think when so many people think of abortion, they're not thinking medication abortion and don't really
1: understand that that's um, an option for a lot of people. I think that's absolutely right. Um, I think we have a lot more work to do here in the U.S. to talk more openly and honestly about um, abortion and abortion care, and you know that that you're right that people um, in you know sort of in general don't realize um, that medication abortion is an option or is an option that is, you know, that is widely used in the United States. Um, Since it was approved by the FDA in 2000, medication abortion really has kind of transformed uh, the the nature of abortion care in the U.S. And, you know, as recently as 2014, which is the most recent data, um, we have medication abortion accounted for um, 31 percent of all non-hospital abortions in the U.S. And I, I think that's just something people don't don't f- understand or are not fully aware of.
0: Um, so one of the other barriers you talked about after stigma and fear was over, over-the-counter status.
1: Sure. So we talked a few minutes ago about, um, about the REMS, which I keep kind of referring back to, this set of FDA restrictions that really kind of set mifepristone and therefore medication abortion apart from other similarly safe um, drugs in the way that people access it. But even were you to lift the REMS and and sort of therefore expand access to medication abortion generally in the U.S., that would still limit uh, what we're talking about to prescription-based care. So moving um, the medications over the counter would help ensure that um, people can access both medications directly instead of requiring a provider to write a prescription first. And I want to keep going back to this idea and this point because I think it's worth repeating that sort of the the, the vision here is that someone would be able to, you know, access in a way that's comfortable to them. Um, whether that's online or whether that is by sort of interfacing with and talking with a provider or someone first, but would be able to access you know, the information that they needed um, in order to feel supported and in order to um, know how to self-manage an abortion with medication safely and effectively, but that ultimately they would be able to access that medication without first needing um, a prescription and therefore could conveniently and easily um, go into a retail pharmacy or order, order it online uh, in order to self-manage their care.
0: I think one of the things I think of when I think of moving it into a pharmacy is the dangers of running into religious refusals.
1: That's a really good point. Um, and it is a barrier that um, you know could potentially stand in the way. We know from not even... Uh, over the counter status, but even you know uh, prescription based drugs um, mm-hmm. can sometimes uh, be difficult to access if someone seeks them out at a pharmacy, for example where where um, a pharmacist uh, refuses the care based on ideological arguments or beliefs. I think continuing to work on ensuring that um, Uh, An individual level refusal is never a barrier to care, is is one thing that, you know, is Mm -hmm. a necessary step towards um, just sort of promoting access to sexual and reproductive health care in the U.S. in general. So ensuring that even if an individual doctor or pharmacist has an objection to providing care, there's always a seamless backup in that, you know, that office or pharmacy has to um, ensure that a consumer gets the care. It's a principle that kind of applies to um, any type of care that we're talking about. But I think that, you know, self-managed abortion um, also could by, by making the medication available um, in more ways and, you know, increasingly through online applications, for example, could also be one way that people could, you know, find routes to accessing care that are currently limited. And even beyond refusals, that could mean um, expanding reach to, you know, rural or otherwise underserved right. communities.
0: Another barrier would be affordabil- affordability.
1: Yeah, affordability is a critical topic of conversation anytime we're talking about access to sexual and reproductive health care and, you know, including abortion. And, you know, in this world in which we're talking about uh, medication abortion being available over the counter, it's you know, kind of a perverse fact that over-the-counter status can sometimes have the effect of making a medication less affordable uh, if someone's insurance company won't cover over-the-counter medication without a prescription. So this is one of those things that, um we as advocates need to be very mindful of as we are promoting policies that move towards over-the-counter status and promote over-the-counter access is that we need to be working at the same time on ensuring that that over-the-counter status uh, meaningfully expands options and doesn't restrict them. Um, So by uh, working on the sort of insurance piece of it and other kind of affordability mechanisms to make sure that um, we don't have kind of the perverse effect of taking it out of reach of people. It's not more accessible
0: if people can't afford it. Exactly.
1: That is the critical point. And so we need to be ensuring that um, the people can access it Uh, in more places, but in a way that is meaningful. And a key piece of that is uh, being able to afford it.
0: And then I think the last barrier you touched on was criminalization.
1: No one should be punished for seeking to terminate a pregnancy. Uh, And, you know, unfortunately, there are a variety of state laws that have been used to punish people who have been suspected of seeking to self-manage abortion. And so, these are another set of kind of barriers that we need to be breaking down, both in terms of seeking to change these policies where they exist, seeking to ensure uh, excuse me seeking to educate uh, people including law enforcement about um abortion and about self managed abortion, in order to ensure that someone who seeks to end a pregnancy is not punished for it. I think it's worth noting that both the Um, American Medical Association and ACOG, the American American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, um, oppose criminalization of self managed abortion.
0: What would access, if we were able to achieve affordable access to self managed abortion, what
1: would that mean for women? Facilitating access to Self managed medication abortion is really about ensuring that people have access to the full range of safe and effective methods of abortion care. We are talking about you know one method among many, um, but the benefits of self management can include you know enhanced privacy um, and enhanced autonomy. I think something that may be really helpful for people is to think about and not underestimate the the benefits of being able to end a pregnancy in the setting of one's choosing and surrounded by the community or not you know that one chooses so uh, you know involving the involving the people that one chooses to involve in that or or um, enhancing you know the privacy that someone wants for for that care that they receive
0: yeah and I also think about we're seeing Clinics being forced to close for restriction reasons and being able, if we were to live in a world where all of a sudden we could have access to self-managed abortion care, women in rural areas, that could be a real game changer for them to be able to access it via telemedicine and then be able to go to a pharmacy or get it online would make things a lot easier for them.
1: That's right, I think there's a couple of important points kind of embedded in what you said, and it takes me in a few different directions but um I, you know your main point, I think is a critical one is that this is a you know way of hopefully expanding the options available to people, including the way people in rural or otherwise underserved communities could access care um, and absolutely has a lot of potential for you know, a telemedicine model is not necessarily a self-managed model, but it's something its something close to it. You know, it, it's something that could more robustly develop if we, for example, got rid of the REMS, um, where people could use technology to, uh, you know, access a provider remotely um, and get that information and care that they want. I think it's very important to acknowledge that self-managed abortion can provide another option for people as we face ongoing, you know, restrictions against abortion and and sort of, a, you know, we look ahead to uh, a world in which the Supreme Court may take action to even further uh, limit access to abortion. But I do want to sort of be careful to caution folks not to think about self-managed abortion only as a workaround to reduced access or to therefore start thinking about it as like a worst case scenario or last sort of chance that someone has. I think there's a danger when we talk about it as a response to restrictions to kind of present it as a, a something for the desperate. And I think self-managed abortion can be um, something so much more positive than that. <laughs> something that gives someone, allows someone the the autonomy and the freedom and the privacy to uh, manage their own experience, um, whether that is in part because of restrictions or for other reasons. And I also think we really need to, as we work towards fully supporting self-managed care, we need to make sure that the piece of that is making sure that people actually still have access to a provider if they decide at some point. While during the process that they want or they need one, um, or they you know they self assess that they may um, need one, and so we don't want to lose sight of the importance of complete and accurate information and you know access to a provider if someone wants or needs it um, yeah, no, and it's definitely
0: important because self managed abortion is only especially if it's medication abortion is only effective up to a certain point. In which case you would definitely need to go to a clinic and you need the clinics to be available uh, for women to be able to access safe care.
1: So, medication abortion c- is currently um, approved in the US for up to 70 days after a woman's last menstrual period. Um, and so, if we're thinking about it in that framework, you know, part of the process of self managing an abortion involves you know, being able to self-assess if you're, mm-hmm. if you're eligible and then, you know, um, being able to access other care if you're not.
0: We always kind of end the podcast focusing on what can people do to take action? So what can people do to, uh, what, what steps can they take to make self-managed care more accessible in the U.S.?
1: The first and foremost, most important thing is to do exactly what you and I have just been doing for this past little while, which is talk about it and keep talking about it and ask questions and share information and help break down that barrier of stigma and fear that we've identified a couple of times during this uh, this conversation. Um, and that'll happen by promoting access to information and resources and and being open and honest about abortion, abortion care, and, you know, what we want from the experience. There are, of course, other ways that people can help, um, you know, facilitate access to self-managed abortion. Those, you know, include supporting organizations that are working to break down the barriers. Um, the list could go on and on there, but, uh, you know, <laughs> just to just to um, name Uh, you know, maybe one player that is really doing a lot right now to help people overcome barriers to self-managed abortion and um, help ensure that people are not um, criminalized for seeking to end a pregnancy is the the SIA legal team, SIA. But, you know, if people are really interested in, in helping out, there are a number of organizations that um, are working on this. And I, th- I think similarly, um, advocates can, you know, get involved in the work to get rid of some of the restrictions we've talked about. And, you know, first and foremost, I think, on that list is um, working to uh, lift the unnecessary and ideologically motivated uh, federal restrictions known as REMS. One last thing to just hit upon before we close the conversation, I, I just talked about supporting organizations that are working to promote access to self-managed abortion and to um, ensure people aren't punished for ending a pregnancy. And and the, one of the organizations that jumped immediately to mind was the CIA legal team. And I think I would be remiss if I didn't acknowledge in this conversation that even as we look ahead to this model I've been talking about of kind of a fully supported um, you know model of self-managed care that is you know part of how we in our in our laws and our policies support people's access to abortion in the US it should be noted that um there is evidence that uh, that some people are already self managing uh, their abortion care in the United States, um, including using medication. People, there is evidence that people may um, increasingly have access to both myth of Pristone and misoprostol, but also that people have used misoprostol alone to self manage an abortion. And I think as we think about that and and, and how we support people with access to reproductive health care. We always need to remember that no one should be criminalized, as I've said, for, uh, for seeking to end a pregnancy. And we should be you know, moving towards um, fully supporting them with all of the information and resources that they need. So in that fight, the SIA legal team is uh, one of the organizations that, that really comes to mind um, supporting women where they're, you know, where they're at and looking ahead to an um, even more supportive model of care. Great. Um, Well, Megan, thank you so much for being here. I think this was a
0: really informative conversation. Thank you so much for having me. I had a lot of fun. For more information, including show notes from this episode and previous episodes, please visit our website at reprosfightback.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at Repros Fight Back. If you like our show, please help others find it by sharing it with your friends and subscribing, rating, and reviewing us on iTunes. Thanks for listening.